0: You're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, sponsored by Elisa Ilana, on 1290kcar and 1290kcar.com. Once again, here's Mulberry Lane.
1: Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show on 1290kcar. In her old house, she writes the stories. In her old house called Media Ridge Farms, she draws her charming world filled with quilts and babushkas' loving arms. In her old house, she keeps goats and cats. In her old house, her doors open wide. Open up her books and find the love of Patricia Polacco inside. We are so excited oh, about how nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are very excited about our next guest, multiple award-winning children's author and illustrator Patricia Polacco. Odds are you have one of her many books on your bookshelf, classics such as The Keeping Quilt, My Rotten Red-Headed Older Brother, and The Junkyard Wonders, and her latest Bun-Bun Button. Her personal story is as charming and deep and full of love as the books she writes and draws. Patricia, welcome to the Mulberry Lane show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Now
1: you came to writing children's books in a very roundabout way. Can you tell us how you got your start?
0: Well, I didn't start writing till I was 41 years old. And I love that part of your story. Yeah, the other part of it is I'm a learning disabled kid who grew up. I have dyslexia, dysnumeria, dysgraphia, and failure of sensory integration. But what I did have going for me is I was an artist and loved to draw. So this is how I got the attention of my teachers for many, many years. Through your illustration. Well, yeah, because drawing, you know, made my heart sing. That was something that I could hang my hat on. Mm -hmm. This was something I could do that other kids couldn't, and there was much they could do that I couldn't. The story is, though, I came from a family of amazing storytellers. On both sides, right? On both both sides. uh My mother's people were Russian and Ukrainian, and people from that part of the world They have to tell their story. My dad's people were Irish. Okay. So, you know, both cultures have to... Their entire kind of culture is translated by spoken language and storytelling. So this is where I came from. Mm -hmm. So at 41, I just started putting some of the imagery. You know, I could draw very well. I'd already graduated from school and was an accomplished artist. You know, I thought, oh, why don't I draw pictures to go with the stories 27 years ago, went to New York with a portfolio full of drawings and stories written and made the rounds of many, many publishing houses and literally sold everything that I had. Wow. Um, And That's... that's how it all began. Now, do you think, because you were 41
1: when you started writing, do you think that that was key in your career taking off the fact that these stories kind of marinated in you for a number of years and then you were able to really get to the crux?
0: I do believe that was key. I mean, I think there are some very talented people that can write early in life. I think though you've got to live a little. You've got to laugh. You've got to cry. You've got to suffer. You've got to have triumph. You have to have failure you know, there's things in life you must experience in order to write them down in a way that they're going to resonate with other people because you've experienced them.
1: Now, what I love about your books is that as far as children's books, and I've read that you believe that children have a capacity to understand deeper issues. Oh my, yes. And your books take on many deeper subjects like Mm -hmm. religious differences, slavery, cancer, cultural Mm -hmm. differences, Mm -hmm. and even your own learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. But yet, your books are so full of love, and they're main children's stories so how do you accomplish this
0: well i I think one key thing for me is i'm actually not writing for children i'm writing for me for something that is going to satisfy me to Mm -hmm. know why did this happen what were the feelings And I guess I'm a a nine-and-a-half-year-old child trapped in a 67-year-old body (laughs) because I, luckily, you know, when I write this down, now, mind you, I don't dummy the language down. No, you don't. Because I think children, like like you just mentioned, I think they're smarter than we think. Mm -hmm. I agree. And if there's something they don't understand, hopefully this will bring up a discussion within the classroom or at the dinner table, you know, where you can sit and discuss. But it isn't a concerted effort. I mean, if you... Knew me and lived in my home. This is the way me and my family have always communicated. So it, it was comes kind very of natural naturally to you. Yeah, it was pretty natural to just kind of write it down the way, I, I mean, I'm not a fabulous writer and wordsmith, but I, I tell stories. I'm a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. And And there's a difference between the two, but I don't apologize. I mean, I think storytelling is valuable. It's an art, and the way you do it it is is. beautiful.
1: Well, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show on 1290 KCAR, and we're talking with award-winning children's author and illustrator, Patricia Polacco. Now... I'd like to know, what inspires you? I know a lot of your stories are about your own personal experiences uh-huh. and family members, so
0: is that what informs you to well, write about? or certainly initially it was, but, you know, I'm inspired by the same things you are. Current events, mm-hmm. things that move you, you know, when you hear about events that are happening that you have no control over, or maybe you do have control, or, or you want to voice an opinion, that's kind of what motivates and generates my writing. I want to talk about things that I feel strongly about. And I do probably 300 school visits a year. I, I probably do more schools than most children's authors, because I love being around young people. I like watching their generation of thought and why they come up with conclusions that they do. This gives me literally a very up-close-and-personal view to understand that they care about more than most people think. Mm -hmm. Children are simply adults, but they're shorter. (laughs) They have shorter legs. And, and, you know, they, they haven't quite lived and experienced what we have as we get older, but their feelings and their fears are all in place, and they want an explanation.
1: Now, your latest book, Bun, Bun, Button, mm-hmm. this was inspired by a visitor to one of your programs,
0: correct? Yes. I was in a library. I'm trying to think. I think it was Kansas City, Uh huh. and a little girl had been standing in line for a while, and she came up with this darling little puppet-looking thing. It was a stuffed animal, but it, most of the stuffing was gone, so the animal was quite limp. And But loved. But Oh, my, <laughs> was it loved. And I said, who is this? She says, this is my bun bun. Oh. And her grandmother, I believe, was with her. I think the little girl's name was Jordan. And I said, do you mind if I draw a picture of this creature? Because I've never seen anything quite like her. And I think maybe I'm going to use her in a book. So... I drew her picture, you know, I signed her book, and I promised her that one of these days I was going to write about her. And I don't know how much time went by, but eventually I did.
1: That's a great example of what inspires you. Now, a couple of your books have been written about some teachers of yours. One is Mr. Fokker. Mm -hmm. And then Mrs. Peterson. Mrs. Peterson, The Junkyard Wonders. And I've
0: actually just finished a book about my art teacher, Violet Chu. Oh, okay And, you know, by the time I'm finished I think I'll have several books devoted to these amazing teachers Because I, I believe teachers are the last standing heroes we have in our country
1: That is so true And they're
0: being maligned And they're being forced to do things that they never wanted to do I mean, one of the issues is Thanks to the No Child Left Behind mandate They are teaching children to pass tests Which is vastly different than teaching a child the subject and the love of the subject, and teachers everywhere are objecting to this Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear them say all over our country, my God, I used to be able to do creative things, and I can't anymore.
1: Yeah, And, you know, if you read the Junkyard Wonders, Mm -hmm. what a statement that it speaks to that, too, because this was all about creativity and making you and your classmates believe in yourselves, which is so important. And
0: to me, that's the most valuable thing a teacher can do.
1: And I was saying at the very end, where you did kind of a synopsis of what happened with all of the classmates there, I had tears rolling down my face. I guess you call it an
0: epilogue. The but epilogue. I mean, all of those kids went on to do Phenomenal amazing things. things, and I think most young people do. Often, especially of teachers in those classes, because they're—you know—it's you, a double-edged sword. The child will either implode and never believe in themselves, or they're going to become a caricature and become just this fierce entity. And, and in her class, we became fierce.
1: And each one of you were very, very successful. Isn't that
0: it amazing? It's just phenomenal. You know, Tom Schoaf, who they call Sissy Boy and made fun of, he's retired now, but he was the artistic director of the American Theater Ballet in New York. Oh, that's And just, no. uh, Ravon Salves is still designing textiles in France. Gibby McDonald passed away. But he was a NASA engineer. And your and pictures went up on Apollo? They're in there. Well, he shouldn't have done that, apparently. <laughs> but he, he designed the LEM, the landing module. And I don't know if he did it on a chip or if he actually rolled a photograph. Uh-huh. But he told all of us our photograph has made it to the Sea of Tranquility. We're there. Oh, That's amazing. Such
1: a great, great story. Uh-huh. Now tell us about your home, Meteor Ridge Farms.
0: Well, this this house is, uh, it was built in 1856. What's astounding to me is this house stood during the Civil War, and this house at one time was an inn. Uh, this is where they changed out the horses between jackson michigan and kalamazoo and supposedly abraham lincoln and i know now this is true when i wrote january sparrow charles gorham who was a senator eventually started a political party in jackson michigan called the free men of the soil under the oaks which was the first republican party in michigan interesting and their first candidate who spoke in jackson was abraham lincoln Uh now this was before he was president and he indeed got on a stage came down what is now m60 it was just a little dirt road then stopped in burlington five miles away from me gave the burlington address came to this house took a ladle of water played catch with robert todd lincoln his son in the front yard and took refreshments and eventually got back on the stage went on to kalamazoo michigan got on the train for springfield illinois so I know now that's true, and he actually walked down my hall. Mm. I mean, to me, it would be, can you imagine, time travel, if I could just stand there wow. and watch him walk by. I think what I'm curious is about the most is what would his voice have sounded like. He had Marfan's disease. That's why he was so tall, oh. which meant his larynx had to be elongated. Usually, that lowers the voice. But every account that has ever been written about him, they said he had a very high voice. Oh, high voice, interesting. Is that interesting? What so, a piece of you know, history my, you're living my, on there. My big claim of fame. <laughs> now, do you
1: have a favorite book of yours?
0: Not. I mean, you know, that's like asking me which one of my children I love the most. <laughs> that's something that I would find very hard to answer. I'll tell you this: I do love the stories where like an orange for Frankie where i'm literally drawing pictures of my grandmother and her sisters and brothers at a dinner table mm-hmm. and literally resurrecting them because i've lost them all now mm-hmm. and there they are and and to look at that and drink it in and go oh my god there, there they are. are i love that about writing and illustrating and and i do personal narratives my stories are pretty much mainly about my family and people that I love and to kind of bring people back that aren't here anymore. And it immortalizes them as well. In a way, I guess it does. Mm -hmm. I guess it does. I know when I do schools, children and teachers alike will say to me, geez, I think we know more about you. And they do. They know my family. They know everything about me. Now, you have a couple
1: projects you're working on, the one about your art teacher, and then you're working on the Keeping Quilt is one of your most famous well, books.
0: It's, it's the Keeping Quilt we're actually adding chapters to that are going to bring you up to date as to what's happening with the quilt. But I've also written the prequel to the Keeping Quilt, which is about the pogroms in Russia okay. and why Anna's family even came here. It's called The Blessing Cup. Wow. And it's, it's, if I do say so myself, a beautiful story and I spent the last few months drawing it and just it made my heart sing. Aww. I've also done a story for Scholastic about Clara Barton. Now, believe it or not, I'm related to her by marriage. Oh, you are. So people in my family, you know, worshipped and lionized Claire Barton, and I picked just one small era of her life. It was from the time she was born till she was 13. Her brother Davy fell from the top of the barn and shattered his legs, and she brought him to health and life for three years and was responsible for him to walk but also at the same time responsible for healing and, of course, became one of the greatest healers and nurses within our country or world, for that matter.
1: And that was kind of almost the story that probably inspired her whole career.
0: It, it is. Uh-huh. And the thing of it is, she left terribly as a child and was made fun of. So she was homeschooled. She could never go to school because kids would torture her. And to think that she ended up being a public speaker in front of kings and queens, and it just became this masterful, amazing human being worshipped throughout the world. I can imagine
1: her story in your hands will be just beautiful.
0: Well, it's an amazing story, because I think a lot of young people are sidetracked by things in their life that are not ideal. And I think what I try to say in my stories is most of us are. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a question of deciding, and it's a decision, in my opinion, to overcome them or not. You either fold with them or you get up there and fly above them and make a difference.
1: It's such a wonderful message to give to the youth of today. It really uh, is. Well, you know, if you could conjure up the picture-perfect author and illustrator for children with your Victorian house, the cats and goats, the meteor, the stories, the warmth and love of young and old alike, it would be you, Patricia.
0: Oh, well, thank (laughs) you for saying that.
1: And thank you for sharing your gift with children of all ages. Well, what a
0: pleasure. Thank you for talking to me today.
1: All right. We'll catch up with you soon. I should say. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're listening to
0: The Mulberry Lane Show on 1290 KCAR.